Happy Father's Day. Yeah, but I see only a few, yeah, a few fathers here this morning. Um, every year in June, we have a special Sunday called Change the World Sunday to talk about some issues that our society is dealing with and to see how the scripture teaches us to behave as disciples of Christ and respond to those issues. And at the end of service, we are encouraged to make a call to action to change the world. And this year, we have decided to have this special Sunday on Father's Day to talk about a tough topic, war and peace. Because we as a Christian do not want to ignore what's happening on the other side of the world. But instead, we want to pray for those who are suffering, and we want to pray for world peace, and we want to call for peace. So if you come here this morning to hear some message about Father's Day, I am sorry, <laughs> but I'll promise that I will preach about Father's Day next year. So before diving into today's topic, word and peace, I just want to clarify with you that I'm not an expert on this topic, and I'm not trying to teach you anything, or I'm not making any political statements on this topic. But what I'm going to do, what I'm going to try to do is just to share with you what the Bible teaches us about peace and war and what I believe, and also to give you a space to think about how you as Christian can be an instrument of God's peace. So let us pray. Lord, we come to you with our grateful hearts for all that you have done for us. But as we see what's, what's going on around the world, we can't help, but our hearts are broken. Lord, as we listen to the sermon, Please guide my lips and tongues and help us to have open hearts and open ears so that we may hear what you want us to do and be. Thank you, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our new office manager, Rebecca, told me that we are always at war and peace, are we? When she saw today's Sermon title, War and Peace. Yes, she is right. We are always at war and at peace at the same time. However, the way our world got to peace on earth differed by times and by situations. The way how Christians and the Christian theologians have responded to words 
has been different by times and by situations. In Christian ethics, there are two main views on war. The first is called just war theory. This viewpoint was developed by St. Augustine and later adopted by Thomas Aquinas. Both Augustine and Aquinas saw war and any forms of violence as evil. They asserted that if possible, Christian should avoid wars. But both Augustine and Aquinas made some exception cases when it comes to justice and peace. Augustine's case, he took his cue from the Old Testament rule of an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth to punish people with their wrongdoings. He interpreted that Old Testament's ethics as limiting violence. He said, it is an eye for an eye, not a life for an eye. So Augustine resumed that the only justifiable purpose for waging a war is to bring peace. And that one must use the least amount of force that is necessary. Aquinas' case, he believes that war is justified and it is necessary only if war brings peace and justice. Kind of similar to Augustine. Furthermore, Protestant reformers such as Martin Luther and John Calvin believe that in order to restore social order, violence is inevitable. And during World War I and II, many Christians followed this theory because they thought that waging war could bring peace on earth. A German theologian, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who lived in the 20th century, also supported this theory to stop the madness of Hitler. The following is the most famous of his quotes. He says, if I sit next to a madman as he drives a car into a group of innocent people, bystanders, I can't as a Christians, simply wait for the catastrophe, then comfort the wounded and bury the dead. I must try to wrestle the stirring wheels out of the hands of the driver. The second main view on war is Christian pacifism. This view rests often text in the Sermon of on the mountain, the one of the today's scripture readings. Blessed are those who are peacemakers. This person believes that Christians are called 
often to counteract these words, words were like tendencies by promoting the spiritual love and peace which Christ exemplified. So those who support this position reject any forms of violence to resist evil. Instead, they believe that without physical forces or violence, they still can combat evil and bring justice on earth with their effort and love. So they support nonviolence movement as Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. led. And one of the main reasons that Dr. Uh, uh, Dr. King chose peaceful protest to end segregation and counter prejudice in the United States is that King saw violence as self-defeating because it is embedded in a network of harmful values. He believed that if a society uses violence to prop itself up, the violence only increased the sense of the threat and therefore provokes counter-violence. So King believed that nonviolence is the best antidote to violence and injustice because it eases the opponent's fears and it helps both sides avoid mutual destruction. But still, he believed that it can aim to resolve problems and change behavior without humiliation. I'm sorry, humiliation. So no matter where you stand on the issues of war and peace, I want to remind you that peace is what Jesus called us to seek as he preached on the sermon, uh, preached the sermon on the mountain. And the peace is God's dream for all of the creation as expressed in the book of Micah. But here are some questions for all of you to think about. What kind of peace should we pursue? And how can we achieve that peace? The prophet Micah shares the vision of God in his book. Micah lived in a time of turmoil and appeal upheaval for the people of Israel and Judah. The nation faced the threat by the Assyrian as a part of God's judgment against their sins. But in the chapter 4, the prophet Micah delivers God's vision and dream for all people on earth. In verse 2, he points to time when all people will journey to God's presence so God may teach them his ways and that they may walk in God's paths. 
And in verse 3, Micah describes God as a final judge, and the nations will travel to God's presence out of their desire to live in peace without violence and without bloodshed. He says, nation will beat their swords in plowshares and their spears in the pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. It means that if you follow God's will and vision, we will participate in our own transformation into being peaceful instrument by beating our swords in, into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks and by ending words. And in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus also delivers the similar message in his Sermon on the Mountain. When Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mountain, the world he lived in was governed by the Roman Empire. Paradoxically, the Roman Empire propagandized Rome's peace. In Roman, it says, Pax Romana. But for the Romans, in order to achieve peace and security to both politics and trade, they had to conquer other nations. They had to have non-Roman citizens under their rules and their authority. Even they had persecuted them. But the peace Jesus teaches us through his Sermon on the Mountain was different peace that the Romans pursued and that many in Jesus' era believed. So Jesus opens up his sermon with the grace of the kingdom by saying, blessed are those. And that we can imagine some shocking faces from his audiences. He's talking toward different things that I know. Jesus teaches them who the blessed are, the truly favored of God, and the ones with the most justifiable right to be happy, hopeful, and content. And in verse 9, we hear, Blessed are those, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will call children of God. And many commentary, uh, 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 I'm sorry, many commentary in, interpreted this sentence as follows. Practicing peace means embody shalom as a wholeness that God's reign brings, while resisting the farce peace imposed on their military rule by human empires. It means that we, as followers of Christ, should pursue true peace that our Lord will bring on earth. And we should try our best to bring the peace on earth as Jesus taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, 
and thy will be done earth as it is in heaven. As we all know, on February 24th, we heard the terrible news that Russian President Vladimir Putin launches an invasion into Ukraine. According to the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights, there have been a total of 45, I'm sorry, 4,452 civilian deaths during Russia's military attack on Ukraine as of June 14, 2022. Of them, 280 were children. Furthermore, 5,531 people were reported to have been injured. More than 6.4 million people have fled to another countries, while over 7.7 million people remain internally displaced. Unfortunately, the work is not done yet, and it is still ongoing. We do not know when it will be stopped, but the one thing that we know is this war will create more losses till it ends. We as Christians believe war and other acts of violence are evil, and it is against God's will. And we as Christians made a covenant with God through our own baptism, the Lord we would resist any forms of evils, and we, we would pray for world peace. And our Lord Jesus called us to be peacemakers. Now it is up to us how we can bring the peace on earth. It's your choice. You're going to bring the peace with violence or without violence. Let us pray. O gracious Lord, we thank you for the message that you prepared today. There are so much hatred in this world. And there are so much violence in this world. Lord, help us to seek your true peace on earth. And help us to pray for your people and for your thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Please use us as your instrument so that we can bring true peace to your people and on earth. And help us continue to pray for the end of wars and end of violence. We pray this 
in the name of Jesus Christ, who become our Savior, our Redeemer. Amen.